happy Canada Day! And welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Eyes of the eagle, ears of the wolf, strength of the bear, speed of the puma. I'm Micah. I'm Matsy. Matsy, yeah! Yeah. <laughs> okay, on Animation Celery, we assign each other cartoons to watch and then come back the next week and talk about them. And this week, because it is Canada Day, we're looking at cartoons from the National Film Board of Canada. We're going to look at The Apprentice, Getting Started, Sleeping Betty, and Sweet Childhood. And I recommend that you go and watch all four of those, because we may spoil them. They're all on YouTube, or you could just go to the nfb.ca site and find them there, if it's available in your country. I don't know, because I'm in Canada and they're available here. But, first... Wouldn't, wouldn't that be the rub? It's prevented yeah, in your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, Use your VPN yeah, yeah, to yeah. speak Canada. Yeah, yeah, so you're in Winnipeg, and here we go. Uh, but first, let's talk about something else. Um, what what do you got, Micah? Well, surprise of surprise, I've been watching a lot of cartoons. Yeah? Um, I checked out The Owl House. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, just the first two episodes. Okay. And so far, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Luz and Ada are really cool. Yep. Or is it Ada? Ada or Ada? Ada. I think her name is... Ada? A I Ada. I think her full name, I think, is Ada Lynn. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, when you were summarizing it for me uh, a few weeks ago, I guess, mm. I couldn't help but think, wow, this sounds a lot like Little Witch Academia. <laughs> okay. Have you seen that? Uh, I haven't watched it. I'm aware of it, but mm. I don't know much about it. I think... Well, the the point that I've gotten to in two episodes hasn't yet, but mm. uh, Little Witch Academia is about a young girl with no witchy talent who goes to a school for witches, but she has endless enthusiasm for it. Okay. Yeah, and and her early prime adversary is a snobby uh, girl with a wealth of magical talent. Mm, yeah, sure. Who who gets won over by her pluck and earnestness. Right. So you can see how I kind of felt like, oh, this is, yeah. This, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an easy story to tell. Um, really, the, the, the actual story of the Owl House has more to do with uh, the society of the Boiling Isles. Mm. Um, that'll come up later. Like it, it takes its time in establishing that, mm -hmm. but later on in the season, there they'll start to reveal it's, it's really when the magic school comes into a play where they start mm -hmm. to establish that there are rules. There's like, uh, I think there's something like seven or eight schools of magic. Okay. And people are required by law to specialize in one. And hmm. Luz's problem is that she likes them all. So you'll see it. Like, I, you know, I, I don't want to spoil too much no, for you. I mean, but I probably will watch more of this, mm -hmm. especially since I don't remember what I was watching beforehand. Uh -huh. But I, I then switched over to it 
and I had onlooker an onlooker stop and stay with me to watch it. So it was like <laughs> a sign of like, yeah, this is pretty gripping. And now are you like <laughs> hooked in with this other person who they're like? Oh, no, I'm, I'm just going to watch it on my own and whatever. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, let's see. I watched more Star Versus. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, as good as it has been. So um, where are you I at right a, Oh, <laughs> it's funny. I was going to pick out the most inane episode of okay. the bunch that I watched, but uh, right. where, where, where I'm at is um, Queen Moon has uh, ventured to uh, Ludo's parents to let them know that she stole uh, that, that Ludo stole the spell, spell book. And uh, right, right. Okay. I, th- I think the episode I actually ended on was uh, stars princess song revealing that she goofed up oh that episode yeah okay one of the 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 inane one that i was going to focus on was the one where star accidentally destroys otis the possum mascot for echo creek school oh i vaguely remember that one yes uh it destroys the morale of the school (laughs) all the students and the principal are just crushed by Otis being gone, <laughs> you know, they're all like, you know, like there's one guy who gets his head stepped on and, and you know, I, I, I can't remember a star. She says like, oh, I'm sorry. He says, that's okay. Nothing matters. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and it's, um, she learns the history of it that uh, the settlers of Echo Creek uh, chased out all the possums in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like Springfield's Whacking Day. Right. Yeah, kind of that meeting. Um, oh, you, did you ever watch um, Parks and Recreation? Um, actually, no. Um, live action, I find it weird. I don't know what it, it is. is. Like, yeah. No, no, I no. Have... I understand that. Mm. Uh, anyway, there's a there's a miniature horse in their community that everybody is uh, strangely devoted to. Okay. So, same kind of thing in this sh- in this show with Otis. Mm. However, it's funny that he was the last one driven out, <laughs> and they're devoted to him. But also, I think so. You know, this would have been 150 years ago, 200 years ago, something that they drove all the possums out. Uh-huh. Which means that they had an ecosystem that supported a lot of possums. <laughs> which in turn, to me, means that there's a lot of tick bites in. Uh, Echo Creek. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. You know what I'm you know what I'm thinking of here? There was an episode of uh, The Great North. Okay. Um it which is set in Lone Moose, Alaska. Okay. And and there's an episode where um one of the characters is explaining to some tourists the history. Mm-hmm. And apparently like the settlers came and they saw the moose and every time they saw a moose, they assumed it was the same moose. And so they oh. named the place Lone Moose because they thought there was only one. And yeah. then later they realized that there was more than one. Okay. <laughs> Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the other part of my uh, animation diet is I binged hard and got to the end of uh, JoJo's Golden Wind. <laughs> okay. Time well spent, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The next chapter won't come out probably until this year, October. So mm. that means this will be like the last I speak of JoJo's for a long time. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, it's good. It's fun. Uh, you know, you know how it's good is that you have reasons to complain about it. Because <laughs> huh. if you didn't care, you wouldn't, right? Yeah. Like that show. It's weird uh, because, like the, the the first series was animated with enough comic ahead of it that. You know, do you remember in the opening how it begins with that uh, flourish, that ba ba da ba da ba ba da ba and you see, like, comic panels flying at the screen? Yes. The first two comic panels are for the part that is going to be released in October. That's <laughs> how far an understanding they had of this. <laughs> All right. And yet, I, I think the cartoon is faithful to the comic. Mm-hmm. When it really should have restructured elements that don't make sense, <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah, I can, you know, I understand that. Like, yeah. I I remember watching, it's not animated, but I mm. remember um, the first Harry Potter movie and thinking like, boy, they're trying really hard to shoehorn in all the ridiculous elements from the opening of that book. Okay. Even though it doesn't work in a movie. I mean, you know, my... And I'm going to anger Harry Potter people here, but like, I don't think it, the opening of the first Harry Potter book, I don't think it works for what that story becomes. Mm -hmm. It's obviously trying to be a goofy children's book. All right. And then it isn't. Uh, Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think JK Rowling's idea of what Harry Potter was going to be changed when it suddenly started earning her a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, she let out her questionable writing instincts, too. Yeah. Yeah, in, in this case, they have, like, uh, the, this last chapter of JoJo's was a uh, about infiltrating the uh, an, a mafia group named Passion. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get introduced, to, we do get introduced to a squad of gangsters that all have their powers and they all have their relationships and whatnot. And... In a cycle at the beginning, we get to find out about each one. So we'll, they'll get in a dilemma, and then we'll have a little break to tell their backstory and how they became part of Bucciaretti's gang, right? Okay, okay. So there's one who, you know, they set him up pretty nicely. He's got a genius IQ. He comes from a well-to-do family, but he got in trouble uh, when he got angry and... Uh, beat his um, deviant, sexually deviant teacher up. Okay. Uh, and since then, he's, he's been this figure. He's like, he's quick to anger and quick to be violent. Uh, but Bucciaretti recognizes his talent and invites him in. And uh, so, you know, he, like everyone else, gets this equal time where you get a story devoted to him, right? Mm-hmm. And then at some point... Uh, it's revealed, Vucciarelli and, and Jojo revealed to the gang that they're betraying the, the mob. And everyone decides to go accept him. He decides like, oh, I, I, I can't do it, right? I, I can't go against this overwhelming force. Mm. So having introduced him and, and given him this backstory, I kept waiting, thinking like, okay, at some point he's going to come back either as someone they have to fight a, a former friend or someone who comes to their rescue or both. Nope. He just quit. That's all. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. And it, 
it's weird because even when he's joining, he says, I, I warn you, I've got this like dark side to me. I, you, if I join you, I could hurt you. Right. Mm-hmm. It really feels like, hey, this is setting it up. And then, nope, it just didn't follow through. Yeah. 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 Huh. Kind of a disappointment. It's funny though. He's the he's the worst fashion disaster though. <laughs> he he's like everybody. <laughs> there's there's a bit where Raven was watching with me and they were looking for the stand users in this crowd of people, mm-hmm. and she was saying like, "Oh come on, just look for the two weirdest uh, weirdest dressed guys in the crowd." So yeah, <laughs> this uh, this this guy Fugo he's he's got a lime green green overcoat but it's only buttoned in the middle, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he's got a super long tie that goes underneath that button and then reappears over his stomach. <laughs> Looks ridiculous. <laughs> awesome. They they even wasted a really good uh, musical name for his stand. His stand is Purple Haze. Mm. <laughs> but we just get to see him the one time. Man. Anyway, so lots of cartoons for me. Uh, how about you, Matsy? What you been doing? Uh, not as many cartoons. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I watched a lot of uh, NFB shorts. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, looking for ones to give you and then just getting into this like hole of just watching them. Mostly ones that I remember. Right. So there's some, there's some good ones there. I mean, I don't want to talk about too many because we could come back to them someday. Right. But another cartoon that I stumbled across, I had never heard of this cartoon. Apparently it was out, it it lasted for three seasons from 2010 to 2013. And, you know, I don't have TV, so maybe I just never stumbled across it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Fish Hooks. And Mm. you immediately think, oh, this is Disney's SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. But it's kind of not fair. Are you aware of this cartoon? It tickles something, but I, I can't, I don't have any clear view of it. I, I, I remember you thinking, probably thinking the same thing, like, oh, this is SpongeBob. This is capitalizing on that. Yeah, but that's kind of not fair. Like, it's it's not fair to think that any cartoon about fish or sea creatures is going to be SpongeBob SquarePants. Like, it probably is, um, you know, SpongeBob probably gave the idea that, oh, you could make a popular show out of this because what's the only like what the snorks like there aren't a lot of underwater cartoons and maybe what it really is is somebody has had this idea mm. but the popularity of spongebob squarepants is what got the idea it's money yeah maybe yeah. not the inspiration necessarily yeah maybe well mm. the difference with this one is that these are fish in aquariums in a pet store not in the sea okay <laughs> the problem that I have with it is that the fish characters and the various sea creatures um, are fine, mm-hmm. but anything else is done in this like manipulated collage style of animation, sort of, sort of like um, Angela Anaconda, right? Which is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Canada. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's not, it's not a particularly noteworthy cartoon. But the one thing about it that I noticed and 
and kind of latched onto is that the, the main characters are these two fish named Oscar and Milo, who are brothers, and their friend B. Um, okay. So these okay. three fish are the main characters, and Oscar is voiced by Justin Roiland. Okay. Um, doing one of the two voices he is capable of doing, in this case, the Morty voice. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it got my attention was another example of Justin Roiland being able to deliver lines without stammering. <laughs> like, see, okay. see, if he has a director, he can be a normal voice actor and sound natural. But when he's left by himself, shut up. <laughs> The first episode of the new season of Rick and Morty came out recently, and the title of it is, uh, Morty Dinner Rick Andre. Okay. And that's another problem I have with that show, is that all of their titles just replace words with Rick and or Morty, even if it doesn't make sense. Right. But at this point, I have to think that this is a joke. Like, they they have to know that this doesn't make sense, because... Well, yeah. Morty Dinner Rick Andre? That's ridiculous. Well, they've made... Well, that's the point, right? I I don't know. I don't know. I haven't watched... I've only seen the first three seasons of that show, and and I've already talked about it, but the the only reason I'm bringing it up... This is another voice role for Justin Roiland, and he talks normal. Okay. He can do it. This is a problem with Rick and Morty. If anybody doesn't believe me, go and look at everything else that Justin Roiland has done. (sighs) it's funny you led into that saying, I don't have television, so maybe I missed this, right? Yeah. Uh, Same here. I haven't had television in a while, so it's kind of funny. You're almost my my, uh, window into what's on television. (laughs) Despite not watching it. Right, right. Isn't that funny? And uh, it's kind of like uh, some other people are, I I would have no idea about music, Hmm. at least what's coming out now, or I'd have no idea about what anybody young thinks about, you know, like software or whatever. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we're becoming out of touch old men. Like I'm watching YouTube videos of people playing like the binding of Isaac and you know, they'll get an item. It's like, and they'll be like, um, Oh, I got tech X. That's pretty pog. Like pog. Uh, All right. Poggers. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Actually, one of the things I think is funny, too, uh, is when uh, cartoons will show the future. Yeah. And it's outlandish, right? It's hmm. like, oh, this glows, and their hairstyles are all dyed, and they say all these stupid things. <laughs> and now I'm here, and they do. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's right on, right? At the time, I thought, like, Batman Beyond was silly. It is, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> it's like, nope, nope, that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're... <sighs> You know, this is what parents like, like it's a whole other conversation about being in your forties, but man. Oh, that too is like uh, last week when I was complaining about uh, people that (laughs) cartoon fans, you know, and fans of genre movies and stuff that, uh, oh, and role-playing. Oh my God. That Hmm. uh, as a side note, want to battle the woke mob. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I'm adjacent to this, you know, (laughs) like, uh, 
Facebook, I got like a friend request from somebody and I, you know, as I do, I check them out and it's like, oh yeah, yeah. He, he writes role-playing game stuff. Cool. Cool. Right. And then, mm-hmm. but like every other thing about his is, you know, fighting the SJWs and, you know, <sighs> like, you know, uh, uh, Ben Shapiro, you're way off. I'm a fan, but blah, you know, like, oh, yeah. well, I think I'll just delete this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I'm in favor of like greater societal progress Mm. but it's the incremental stuff that doesn't matter like slang and music just it's like "Mm, stop saying pog (laughs) i actually had to ask it's like what what is p what is pog what is p-o-g because i would see it just pop up in chats over and over like pog 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 yeah it's play of the game for anyone who is wondering Anyway, uh, the National Film Board of Canada. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Um, be- before we get started, should I just say something about what the National Film Board of Canada is? If you like. I, I think people could probably guess. Yeah, it- it's, a- it's a government agency in Canada that kind of provides funding and um, uh, equipment to independent filmmakers to let them make uh, films. Um, it has a rich history in animation. Uh, dating way back, like the National Film Board, the NFB was founded in 1939. They've been in on animation. Um, there was a great innovator, Norman McLaren, uh, who did all kinds of cool stuff. NFB shorts have won six Academy Awards for best short film. Uh, let me see if I can remember what all six of them are. Hmm. The Sandcastle, uh, Special Delivery. Bob's Birthday, Ryan, mm. The Danish Poet. By the way, The Danish Poet is excellent. And there's a sixth one. I can't think of what it was. Well, maybe we'll edit this in afterward, what, what, what one it was. It's called Every Child. You know, these days, making media in general is populous. If you have a computer, heck, even if you just have a phone, you can make stuff. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, an associate of ours and I, we would uh, trek, we would pack up our papers and go to our local national film board just to use their uh, pencil tests setup. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we, you know, we put our, put our animation papers down and then have a look at what they look like animated. It was just convenient for us, more convenient for us to trek across town and uh, use their downward angled camera hooked up to a computer. Well, and it's a cool thing that you could do that. I mean, if yeah. if if this is the time frame I'm thinking of, you must have been like teenagers or early 20s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I like, think it's cool that you could just go to downtown Vancouver and just, here, here you want to animate? Here's a facility. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Um, but also, in addition to the six that won, there mm-hmm. are, there's another one that called Neighbors in 1952. Mm. It's not entirely animated, and the parts that are animated are stop-motion animation with people. Mm. That won an Academy Award for Best Short Documentary. Uh, And there's an additional 30 animated features that have been nominated. So there's a rich, rich history of uh, quality animation and there are some, I mean, we mentioned The Cat Came Back last week, which, mm. by the way, wasn't, isn't by Richard Condy. It's by Cordell Barker. I got mixed up. 
Richard's he's involved Hunt. in it. Though, he is involved Richard in Hunt. it. He he's yeah. directed and he's voice acts in it. Um, mm-hmm. But every a lot of people know the cat came back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the sweater has gone outside of Canada. That's huh. that's an iconic Canadian animation. It's a little it's a little film about um, a young boy in Quebec who accidentally gets a Toronto Maple Leafs hockey sweater instead of a Montreal Canadiens hockey sweater and the scandal that ensues. Hmm. Good times there. Bob's birthday. Uh, a lot of people know that one. It spawned a TV series called Bob and mm-hmm. Margaret. Yeah, there's there's a rich history of animation in the NFB and uh, we will talk about a mere four of them. Yeah, me first, me first. You, 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 go, go. Okay, so the first one that Matsy gave me is The Apprentice, directed, this one actually directed by Richard Condy <laughs> in 1991. Yeah. This is a weird one. So we start in a very, very simply drawn rocky wilderness with a great many crazy things happening. At the start, a man falls from the sky. We see a knight and a dragon in combat that cycles between the knight's head being engulfed in flame and him plugging the dragon's mouth with his lance. And last, we see two entertainers, or fools? At any rate, people dressed in breeches and wearing caps with bells. The master of the fools plays his mandolin well, but when he hands it off to the apprentice, the apprentice gives a wild performance and destroys the instrument like a punk rocker. The two fools travel and reach a divergent path with a signpost that is ambiguous over which way leads to the castle. The apprentice takes the left way, even though his master chooses the right. Eventually, the apprentice collides with a tree trunk and is knocked cold, further heckled by the three living daisies planted next to the tree. When a wagon comes by, the apprentice tries to hail a ride with it, but... When he runs to join the wagon, he collides with the tree again. A series of collisions with the tree trunk, or the apprentice getting hit from apples dropped from the tree, prove to be a match for the imbecile. He awaits for sundown so he can sneak by his crafty, leafy nemesis. But again, he knocks himself out. A little break is taken so that the apprentice can eat all the fallen apples around the tree. A new fallen apple hits his head and topples him again. At least this time, his fall flattens the mocking flowers. However, his long nose sticks into the ground, and it comes out of his face when he rises. Dejected and noseless, he walks whence he came. And, to us, it's revealed that the tree stopped him from walking over the cliff that all others fell over that had passed him. When the apprentice returns to the crossroad, his master awaits him. The master blows into one of his chin whiskers to make it inflate like a balloon, which he fashions into a suitable replacement for his student's nose. The two take the the correct path to the right, and it winds around the cliff that others continue to topple over. Yeah, that's the plot of this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... We talked about the voice of Richard Condy in, uh, uh, in The Cat Came Back. Yeah. His signature screaming. At the outset of this, when the man falls from the sky, 
even if you weren't looking, you would know that you were watching a Condi film. Yeah, that's that his. Like, his oh, yeah, you do it better than I do. I, my voice is too high pitched. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to do it without peeking this mic all over the place. <laughs> that's if I was a better actor, I guess I could. Yeah. Um, and OK, there's no dialogue in this or rather the dialogue in this is garbled nonsense. Yeah, it's gargling from what I could tell. Yeah, the entertainers go at each other and uh, further to the surrealism, when they do it, there's like little charm shapes that sprinkle out of their mouth and make little like tinkling glass noises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, this is weird, man. Richard Condy is, he has just a, such a weird sense of surrealism. I mean, I guess I can just real quickly uh, talk about the one that I watched, which is Getting Started, um, which mm-hmm. is made by Richard Condy in 1979. And it's basically this guy who has to practice the piano for an upcoming recital, but he can't find the motivation to do it. He keeps procrastinating and getting distracted by things. Um, I don't want to go through it point by point because it's all gags and right. it would you know, the the point of watching the thing is to see the gags. But basically, he just, it, this, it's about being unable to motivate yourself to do the work that you need to do, which I can relate to. Yeah. And it's not quite as surreal as the later stuff that Richard Condy would do. Richard Condy- No, Con- you, can, you can see a progression here. Yeah. Of madness. Yeah. <laughs> Condy, from what I could tell, has done a total of seven- animated shorts directed them at least yeah 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 um in addition to getting started and um uh the apprentice he made a very short one called oh sure which is the first one Mm -hmm. he did he did something called pig bird which is for uh the canada customs yeah Yeah, it's about you know the dangers of smuggling foreign animals into the country Mm. uh he made his probably his masterpiece, the big snit, which is, <laughs> yeah. Come to think of it, that might be the one, the other one that won an Academy Award. I don't remember. I think you're right. I think it did. Yeah. It was at least nominated. Yeah. Um, so let's see. That's five. And the other two would be La Sala, which is yeah. a computer Total animated madness. one. Yeah. What's the other one? Oh, John Law and the Mississippi Bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a uh, a little uh, short about uh, a period in French history where their economy collapsed. Mm. So he, he's a figure, Condi. He was a musician. Mm. and But he said he always drew cartoons since he was a child. Right. And then just, you know, without training or much influence because he said he didn't watch cartoons really <laughs> he just decided to get into animation in the 70s yeah he's got an amazing sense of humor though like that's the right. thing like his the surrealism is is one thing and that's certainly there but the the ideas that he has for gags and the timing that he executes them there's a part in getting started where the guy slumps in a chair and turns on the TV and there's, there's only two channels and one of them is just well, there's a, three. There's three. There's three. Yeah. Oh. Which, which, you're, you're two and I'll fill the third well, one. Well, there's, there's a guy with an arrow through his nose 
just screaming. Oh! Yes. <laughs> and then there's a opera singer. Yes. And what's the third one? It's a man arguing with a duck. Oh, okay. So anyway, he flips through these channels and decides that they're all uninteresting. And then he just kind of zones out for a minute. Yes. And then just to check, he turns on the TV again, and the man with the arrow through his nose is still screaming. It's <laughs> yes. so good. It's so... This is why I don't want to give away too many of the gags, because they're so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> some of them, I don't know if they're giving away, because some of them are just like, they look funny. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I guess what right now we're doing our, our co-review of apprentice and getting started yeah yeah let's mix them together you don't yeah but getting started that character looks funny like yeah that that's the era of of condi where like from front profile his head looks like it's mounted by his upper lip mm-hmm. on top like kind of like terrence and philip from south Park. a little bit yeah yeah um and you know the the thin line hair is funny too mm-hmm. i like it makes me laugh every time when he gets motivated in this thing and his hair sticks straight up, like, well, it's not straight up, like at an angle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in La Sala, there's a similar character, same thing. You know, I just, computer animated, it still works. It makes me laugh. His hair just going. Yeah. There's a good, uh, there's a good bit with him, like getting so angry at his piano, he bites it. Yes, <laughs> and, it, and it just the way that it falls down on his lower jaw, like that's oh, it's a oh, and and you know, I like uh, at least seeing it in uh, in stories. I like seeing people just lose their minds, <laughs> get so emotional that it goes beyond all reason, right? Yeah. So he's uh, he's upset with uh, his inability to do this music and with hurting himself there. Mm-hmm. And he's screaming, he's crying, he's fallen on the floor and cycling his legs so that he's rotating in a circle with his shoulder as the folk, as the axiom point, right? Yeah, it's, the, it's that Homer Simpson thing where he doesn't have to be yeah. the head of the union anymore. And he's like, whoop, 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 whoop. Yes. It's, it's that same cycle. Yeah, but that's more artificial. This one feels very real to me. <laughs> that feeling of just being mad out of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's what getting started has. Like. The Apprentice doesn't have a moment like that, I don't think, but it's, it's just like surreal goofiness. That's yes. Right. Like (laughs) it's, it becomes clear pretty soon that this whole cartoon is just one gag, which is that he is not smart enough to walk around this tree, but the variations of it that are executed, like Richard Condy finds so many ways to make that funny and the sound like the same sound cues the birds fly out of the tree um mm. you hear the, right. you hear the dunk of an apple hitting his head you hear the flowers <laughs> yes. laugh and and each yeah. scene is punctuated by it fades to black and there's this like yeah gong and sound. you know kind of it, it's like the gong mm-hmm. well for example like it, it set up each scene, but one of the scenes is so brief. It's just him after being knocked out by an apple falling on yeah, his head. Yeah, yeah, like the, that. He just he sits up, and another apple falls on his head. And he falls back, and it fades <laughs> to black again, and gongs to the next scene. That's the, like the, the that's the, what I'm talking about with the timing. Like that yeah. he knows. Like he he didn't just have all these gags happen rapid fire. He's like these are distinct 
important sequences. And but yeah. each one is just a pratfall. And that's so funny. Right. Like it, treating it so seriously with something so stupid is so funny. You know, for this one, like for The Apprentice, I wondered, like, is this based on something? Mm. At the end, there's this weird bit where the master has like a shamrock amulet that flies out of his uh, his vest mm. or his collar or whatever. And I, I was thinking, does that mean something? Surely, surely it does. I could not find you didn't, an appropriate fairy tale. You didn't hmm? catch what that was? No, was it? It's the tree. Oh, is it? The master, oh. the master, like that's how he knew it was the wrong route. Like he, that was a, a oh. test that the apprentice had to pass. He had to learn that he couldn't go past that tree. Oh, okay. <laughs> huh. I overthought it. I was like thinking to like, I was thinking about tales of two paths, right? Is this, is this about Prometheus and uh, <laughs> no. the path not taken? And then, yeah. When he was a young apprentice, he also got stymied by the tree. Ha, funny, funny. Okay. <laughs> you know, have you ever seen any of the Unico movies? Mm, not in such a way that I could remember. Ah, uh, the, okay, so the surreal stuff, there's this, the wagon that comes by, mm-hmm. uh, has like an oxen head at the front of the wagon, you know, it's like a wooden oxen head that yeah. ha- opens its claptrap, claptrap jaws and goes, oh, as it goes by, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And, uh, I, there, there's, uh, the second Unico movie, the Isle of Magic has an adversary that's like a giant toy that has the same kind of face and, you know, it, when it makes this kind of tinkly winkly sound as it rolls on its wheels up it'll occasionally stop to open its mouth and do that same sound that oh thing <laughs> awesome i was wondering i know i don't think it is an influence i think it's probably just a coincidence well who knows i mean maybe <laughs> yeah yeah um anyway do you have anything else you want to say because i mean oh hmm? <laughs> yeah actually so, yeah, I said, I was looking up, like, what does this mean, right? Right. And there's not a lot of discussion. I The best I found for discussion was, like, on YouTube of a surprising number of people that talk about how The uh, the Apprentice haunts them. <laughs> how it scared them as a kid, and they still think about, like, gong and go, oh, no. I guess it is kind you of know. a scary noise if you're very small. Sure. And even little thi- well, again, giving away gags, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, but, uh Another thing I found was uh, a booklet. There's like a PDF of this booklet that's Anamondo Tezea, Real Teacher's Plans for Using NFB Film and Video in the Classroom. Hmm. So I guess Anamondo and Zeo are probably like names of animated shorts from uh, NFB. I know Anamondo. Hmm? Anamondo is a guy. It's actually a really neat one. You would like it. Um, Hmm? It's this guy who just comes in and... He sits down to animate and the film is just this base, same basic idea of this hippie looking guy with his hands in his pockets, just walking. Mm -hmm. And it's just him, the guy animating this sequence in every kind of animation he can think of, like cell animation, claymation, Uh, scratching on the film, uh, painting on glass. So it's, it's really just like, I can see how that would be educational because it's just like, it's just sitting down. It's like, here's a whole bunch of different ways that you can animate. Well, I looked at the, uh, the apprentice section mm-hmm. in it and it didn't have any great insights on it, but <laughs> it was like, you know, it had, had 
it had an outline of how you're supposed to use it, you know, like make them watch it again and then write about this and that. It was a little weird. <laughs> it might be an interesting like companion piece to refer back to whenever we watch um, NFB stuff. Hmm. As a matter of fact, maybe next uh, episode, we should do a follow-up where we look at all the parts for all the things we looked at this time, all the assignments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's possible. The, the other two shorts we have are not by Richard Condy. No. Uh, you gave me one called Sleeping Betty. Mm-hmm. This one directed by Claude Cloutier in 2007. Mm-hmm. So right at the outset, we see a modern setting and yet a taxi cab is being pulled like a rickshaw. So we know we're in for a surreal subversion of Sleeping Beauty fairy tale. Inside a rather humble modern apartment, a queen balls sonorously because her daughter Betty has been cursed to sleep endlessly. The king, uh, looking very much like a playing card king, is helpless to console her and also cannot rouse his daughter. There's an entourage that grimly looks on and it comprises of a guard, a satyr or satyr, satyr, satyr. I think, uh, I, I think it's, I think, which they, do you think? I think I remember them pronouncing it satyr in the last unicorn. So that's kind of, okay. that's kind of what I go with. Yeah. Okay. A satyr, a jester, a multi-eyed monster in a Tudor neck ruff. And as filler, King Henry VIII and Queen Victoria. Hmm. After the guard violently shakes the bed frame but fails to wake Betty, the king uses the phone booth inside the bedroom to reach a modern doctor. The doctor arrives by horse-driven sedan, but he is quickly dismissed when his treatment is to use a carpenter's saw on Betty. Instead, a Prince Charles-looking knight is summoned. He rides on in a hilariously animated galloping horse. <laughs> and meanwhile, the satyr unsuccessfully tries musical solutions to wake up the princess. The knight's biggest obstacle in his quest is a dragon with the head of a fire-breathing moose. A hoof slap from the knight's horse is enough to best this beast. As the knight and horse continue, a cleaning lady, also a witch, tries out her wand on Betty, but all it does is change your head into various objects or the heads of other characters or subjects of famous paintings. And then the knight arrives, but ultimately neither the kiss of the knight nor the horse can wake the princess. No, it is her alarm clock that immediately triggers her to rise and slap its button. You know, I think I had seen this before, mm -hmm. but maybe only once. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. Uh, we start out of the chat section. We talked about how neither of us have TV. Yeah. And you've gone on to be, you know, a very devout fan of the National Film Board. But for the most part, my exposure to the National Film Board was what was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, mine was too. So they, yeah. So like when there was movie channels, they would fill out the time with promos and the like to get to half hour segments, right? Yeah. To half hour start times. And part of what filled it was National Film Board animations. Mm. And then later on, some TV stations maybe like would run them late at night or for the same reason to even out time so that the next program could start at the right point. Uh, and I think this is like late into that cycle, like maybe when I didn't have TV anymore. Mm. So probably only saw it once, but it's good. It's a good, uh, a good cartoon, this one. It's got a lot of great gags in it. 
Um, I was yes. like, that's what I liked. Like it's everything is like, is so many subversions of the way that things normally work. Um, mm. or just like really good, just good visual gags. Like you mentioned, right. you mentioned the horse running, like mm-hmm. there's <laughs> like the, there's a part where like the prince is stoic atop the horse, which is just, its limbs are just flailing wildly as it <laughs> yeah. from, from head on. Like you see the head on view. And yeah, then there's yeah. a sign that says bumps ahead. And once it mm. gets to the bumps, the horse becomes completely stoic and the prince starts bouncing all over the place in his saddle. That's yeah. a good gag. I liked when the doctor showed up and he's walking up toward the castle and his finger is already out to push the doorbell. Yes. That's a yes. good gag. Like everything, every possible gag was made in this often subverting what you expect. You know, the uh, Claude Cloutier uh, said that the way he makes animations like this is he first uh, does it with brush and ink mm-hmm. on paper and then colors it on the computer. Okay. Yeah, which I, you can tell when you look at it for sure. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm- I mean, I mean, these days people would go to lengths to have a computer fake that they had a style where they made it on, you know, with ink on paper. But uh, no, he actually did this. Um, and you know... I, I detect two influences, or at least I think I do. Okay. Or similarities. Yeah. There's uh, T.S. Sullivan, who was an ink artist that influenced Disney heavily. Okay. So you can really see it, especially like, uh, you know, the opening shot of the thing where it uh, tilts down a tree mm-hmm. and the tree has in it, you know, like the forms of animals. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very T.S. Sullivan, I think. And then the other one for the animation style and the humor uh, would be Bill Plimpton. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You see it, right? Now that you, yeah. Like the first thing that I thought of when I saw it was actually Berkeley breathed. Yes, that too. Yeah. You could see that. But, um, but you saying Bill Plimpton, like, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the, that it's very detailed and the characters are, uh, Great caricatures. Yes. You know, pronounced pronounced cheekbones or nose or what have you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you were saying there's a bunch of great gags in this. Yeah. So last week, you set this up, right? E- you talked about... Hmm? No, yeah, I, I, I just agreed, yes. Yeah. You talked about how a thing that made you really laugh was in National Lampoon, <laughs> where Chevy Chase punches the mascot moose in the nose (laughs) that came up in our conversation organically i hadn't yes because of the mascot i had already picked sleeping betty i hadn't thought about the parallel there yes yes so in this yes the uh the horse whacks the 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 (laughs) moose in the nose and causes that moose nose to waggle it yeah yeah Just reinforcing the inherent hilariousness of a moose face <laughs> and imagined cartoon violence onto it. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of like an alternate universe where this gag is so overused. Like, you know, way back in, uh, I think it's like a Jack Lemon movie. There's this scene where, you know, a hundred cream pies get thrown into people's faces. Yeah. And, um, you know, back in the day, people were falling out of their seats laughing at it. <laughs> 
And by the time you and me were like even children, this joke of getting a pie in the face was trite, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm imagining a future where somebody like some nose gets its face flattened and so, and hey, hipster dismisses it like, of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, funny stuff. This this uh, Sleeping Betty. Yeah, I came across this rather late. I mean, it's it's a relatively recent film. Yeah, I came across it you know, relatively late. And I was like, oh man, they're still pumping out Richard Condy level comedy over at the NFB. Yeah. 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 But good stuff. It, you know, <laughs> mm. it falls in line. Yeah, yeah. As you say, with the other ones we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Maybe the other one's a little different. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a departure here in the last one I gave you. Yeah. Uh, this is called sweet childhood, which is a, Okay, so this is part of something called Comic Strip Chronicles, which is a mm. uh, collection of shorts that was made uh, in conjunction with, with the NFB and Canal Plus and a production mm. company in France called Sacre Bleu. <laughs> Sacre Bleu. Yeah. So the, and it's basically just, you know, little comics animated, sort of. Uh, mm -hmm. This is one by someone named... Zvayan. Uh her real name is in this. I didn't write it down, but mm. but you know, some some French lady's name. And the the idea here is that she was packing to move and came across a cassette from 1989 which she realizes is the cassette that she used in one of her favorite toys, which is a Fisher-Price cassette recorder. Mm. And she's excited to find it again, and so she pulls out her uh tape player and her headphones and settles in to listen to the last thing that she recorded as a child. She's amused at first as she, as her child version gives a sort of news broadcast and this is animated about a man who got an owie because he ate a calf turd. Calf in the sense of small cow. Cow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a resolution where the a, he goes to the hospital and the doctor removes the calf turd and then he farts and by surgery. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surgically removes the calf turd and that heals the injury on his hand. Um, yeah. And you know, the lady laughs like, Oh, I was such a silly child. And she fast forward mm. a bit and finds herself still talking about calf turds. And she fast forwards and fast forwards and, Every, every point on this side of the tape is just her obsessing about calf turds. Mm -hmm. Finally, she can't take any more and decides to see what's on the other side. And here she finds herself singing a little tuneless, childish song about marrying a fish man and having intercourse with him behind the rocks, which escalates into... Her, <laughs> her assuring anyone who listens that she'll have intercourse with them and have babies for them. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, she has to shut off the tape and just scream. And that's the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, children are embarrassing. <laughs> right, right. Right, but also like... Innocent and yet not, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you can see, you could understand how 
you know, a child that age would just learn about the concept of intercourse and not know how intimate a thing it's supposed to be. Be like right, the mechanical. But, but it's important. But yeah, it's yeah. the mechanical. Oh, that's how babies are made? Okay, well, here's my fun song about if anybody needs a baby, I'll have intercourse with them. <laughs> right, any fish man, any handsome dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the, the same handsome dude that uh, ate a turd and farted. <laughs> yeah, they, there's like uh, two... Uh, the, the, the real world is just like black lines on blue. I was, yeah, it? I think it's white. Like it's, it's, white? Yeah. it's weird because the thumbnail is black on green, right, but the actual film right, isn't. It's white. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, uh, her fantasies are all like colored lines on black. Yeah. I wondered at first if this, I mentioned Animando or you mentioned it and then I explained it. Um, yeah. one of the techniques that he does to animate is that he takes exposed film which has a black mm. black residue on it and scratches right. images into that frame by frame, which creates an animated image. And I was looking at this and it kind of looks like the same style of like scratched lines on animation or on, mm. on a film, but yes. it's a little too, it. it's a little too smooth for yeah. that. And the, the multicolored lines, I bet it's done by computer, but also wasn't there some child's toy that was like, some black paper or something that you could draw on. Oh, and I would... know. I know what you mean. And the pressure would make a multicolored line. Yeah. 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 I almost wonder if this was animated with that. I just don't know. I don't think probably... so. I think this is a hundred percent digital. Yeah. At least the finish. Probably. Look. Yeah. I mean, this is a what? 2017 film. Yeah. yeah. 2017. I mean, it, it has to be just drawn on a, on a computer. Do you think that the uh, sound of the tape is the actual recordings that Zivian made as a child? Well, I'm not sure. I thought it would be amusing if it was, but mm -hmm. uh, the name in the credits looked like it may have been different. Oh, like it was just an actor doing it, eh? Yeah. Let me just, uh, I'm just going to open it up and fast forward real quick here. I mean, okay. probably Well, not, actually, but, you know what? Now that I'm looking at yeah. it. The voice says uh, Sylvianne Maynard, which I believe was the name on the cassette. Oh, okay. And there's only one voice, so it must be the same person, right? There was yeah. like the adult narrating and the girl. So maybe this actually is like the real legitimate tape, which is <laughs> cool. Pretty funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just uh, <laughs> the A side, nothing about nothing except eating calf turds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <laughs> so this uh this this artist Zivian um is kind of like Richard Condy and that uh, she's another musician slash artist polymath. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh I looked at her Twitter and her website. Mm -hmm. Her website is attacksurprise.com. Mhm. Mm and she has several comics there that you can look at. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, as you might guess, they're absolutely indie indie style, if you know what I mean. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I had to look at one called Mecha Nikki about a uh, girl who goes on a quest to uh, solve whatever it is that is turning humans into mechanical things. <laughs> Amusing. But, yeah, that's something further to check out if you uh, really like the sensibility of sweet childhood. Yeah. And I think it's cute. Like, I I can sort of, you can sort of empathize with the idea of 
oh, here's an artifact from my childhood. Let's see what I was doing. And at the same time, mm-hmm. everybody has embarrassing things that they did that they've probably forgotten about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably, I, I can think off the top of my head of a couple of things that I did that I'd be like, oh man, I hope nobody ever remembers that I did that. <laughs> or I just keep going. <laughs> I, I keep making new ones. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not going to be towed down by the old ones. I have too many new ones. That's true. Yeah. Um. Anyway, as so, yeah. it's a cute little thing. Yeah, you know, in hunting for it, I because you know, I figured you've probably seen a lot of uh, National Film Board shorts. I decided to look for ones for adults. Okay. Yeah. Originally, I was going to recommend one called The Subject. Hmm. Um, it's, but I know you don't like gory things too much. Oh, Is that's it, why you asked that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's one where, um, it's a stop motion of a guy doing an autopsy of himself. Really? Yeah. So he's a live action guy, but he's stop motion too, right? Where he's just moving a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then like he's, he's carving open. It's, it's a clay version of himself. Right. Mm, but mm. Every time he carves something open, things come out of him, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like mechanical bits, like a carousel that comes out of his side and stuff. And, mm. um, and it's like a whole commentary on the artistic process Interesting. Of, of, the, of like learning stuff about yourself while producing beautiful things. Huh. But in the end, I, because it is a little gruesome, I decided that... Uh, uh, getting started was another good commentary about the process of making things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it is. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter that I've seen it because, because like you said, like mm. up to a certain point, I would say up to the nineties, you'd, you'd yeah. probably be fairly hard pressed to find an NFB short that I haven't seen. Right. It's possible. Mm. Like I, I, I'm not going to say that I've seen them all. Yeah. I'd recommend it to like, I imagine even even people that listen to this that are Canadian probably haven't seen a lot of them. Yeah. And there's reasons to look, like whether you like to see different types of animation, mm-hmm. you look to see like different types of voices yeah. in terms of making animation, or even if you just want some crazy crud to laugh at, I recommend just going and finding Richard Condy stuff. Yeah. Or Cordell Barker is another really good one. He's he yeah. does some really funny stuff too. But even even besides those, like you know, something like Sleeping Betty, which isn't by anybody that I knew, but is really funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I guess we should uh, wrap up there our uh, look at Canadian. I mean, there's so many more Canadian short films. We'll come back to it someday, maybe next Canada Day, maybe yeah. before. Um, before, before. Okay, yeah. okay, we'll do it. We'll we'll do more NFB someday soon. Uh, but for now, you have something that you would like to do next week, because I recommended the last two. So it's your yeah. turn. What's your grand idea? So I've been holding on to this theme. It's a category called, Why Does This Exist? <laughs> so I don't necessarily mean that it should be bad or unenjoyable, but that it boggles your mind that it has a concept that is too weird to fathom that somebody made it or an audience that is so non-existent or that the execution is so deficient. Just overall, when you see this cartoon, it makes you wonder, why does this exist? (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. So 
Uh, we'll see if you say it when I tell you that I would like you to watch Alf Tales, and the episode is John Henry. Hmm. Okay. Alf Tales. Alf Tales. Do you even remember that that existed? I do. I have a feeling... Okay. Uh, I have a feeling there was more than one Alf cartoon. Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking of a different one. But um, I have an idea of what this is. Okay. All right. So give me your episode of Rude Dog and the Dweebs. Let's go. Uh, the first one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> you... For you real? nailed it. No, you you got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's funny. There's a YouTuber I watch called uh uh, Toy Galaxy. Uh-huh. Do you know the one? He Maybe. He talks about, okay, ostensibly he's supposed to talk about action figures and the like, right? right? But he's, he's sort of branched out to where he'll just talk about cartoons or just, just old properties that kids might have watched. Mm-hmm. He has not done an episode about Rude Dog and the Dweebs. I don't think. Maybe he has. <laughs> but he never misses a chance to say Rude Dog and the Dweebs. <laughs> like... He was mentioning uh, Mattel as, or was it Hasbro? I think it, I think it was Mattel as a cartoon producer uh, that they were pumping out the uh, pumping out the hits. Mm-hmm. And so he's listing them off. You know, like Transformers, GI Joe, My Little Pony, and he he lists out like six credible hits, and then like Rude Dog and the Dweebs. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hasbro, by the way. Hasbro, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hasbro Claster or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the episode, it's it's one of those shows where... Oh, I said Mattel. I'm at Marvel. Sorry. Marvel Hasbro Claster. Anyway, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Rude Dog and the Dweebs is one of those cartoons where they it's two cartoons per episode. Um, right. So the first episode has two parts called Hello, Mr. Kitty. And, oh, okay. And The Fish Who Went Moo. <laughs> All right. So... Next week, why does this why does this exist? But for uh, this week, that's our show. So happy Canada Day, happy Fourth of July, happy whatever it is that gives you a long weekend in July. Everybody, please share Animation Celery to all your cartoon loving friends. Let us know what you think of the show and what you would like for Matsy and I to watch. You can reach me at Drab Swatch on Twitter. And I'm AC Matsy on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and all rise for the Canadian National Anthem or the Celery Stalker slogan. Say something like, uh, get going or something like that, you know?